Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here with us physically. Thanks for carving out time to come and to worship Jesus, our King, the one who is resurrected today and allows us the same opportunity. Thank you for those who are listening to live stream. We welcome you. We welcome everybody here to the family of New Hope. Glad that you are here. I have a request of you. I would like you to give me the next 23 minutes of your attention. This 23 minutes, if you accept it, can change the trajectory of your eternal minutes, your eternal life. You're like forever, okay? So give me 23 minutes. I remember when I showed up at Pilgrim Park Junior High, and when I was going to school, that was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade was junior high. I remember getting in line for the bubbler. Now, let me translate that for you Minnesotans because I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and that, that's the drinking fountain. So I got in line for the bubbler, and there were three girls in front of me getting a drink. And the first girl left, and I saw her. The second girl left, and I'm like, hey, she just got a drink. She just got it. And they look a lot alike. And then the third girl got a drink and walked off. I'm like, like whoa, they're all alike. And I realized early on that I was in school with triplets in junior high. This is their senior picture when we graduated, but Jennifer, Jocelyn, and Janine Dubot. And when we would have classes and that, I'd always have to ask them because they dress alike and all that and stuff. And I was like, okay, now who are you? You know, and that, and well, they would substitute themselves at times. Well, I'm Jennifer but I'm taking the math test for Jocelyn today. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I read a story, a true story, about uh, two identical brothers, and the one brother broke his leg before he was supposed to have his driving test. And so he sent his identical brother, who had gotten his test done and passed the week before, to go ahead and get his license for him. <laughs> so he substituted in for him. We all understand this idea of substitution, right? Most of us, if not all of us, grew up going to school and we had substitute teachers. Easter is about Jesus as our substitute. Let me explain. Anyone who has traveled to New York City is familiar with LaGuardia Airport, named after, after the 99th mayor of New York City. Fiorello LaGuardia, who served as mayor from 1934 to 1945. Fiorello LaGuardia liked to keep in touch with all of the various departments under him. Often he would fill in for department heads or office holders as a way to accomplish this. Well, one time he chose to preside over night court. It was a cold winter night, and a trembling man was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. The man, he said, had a starving family. I have to punish you, declared LaGuardia. There can be no exceptions to the law. I fine you $10. As he said this, however, LaGuardia was reaching into his own pocket for the money. He tossed a bill into his famous sombrero. 
here's the $10 to pay your fine, which I now cancel. He said, furthermore, he declared, I am going to fine everybody in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a city where a man has to steal a loaf of bread just to eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. The hat was passed, and the dumbfounded man, with this huge smile on his face, left the courtroom with an amount of $47.50. This story is a story of substitutionary atonement. Substitutionary, by definition, is a person or a thing acting or serving in place of another. Atonement, by definition, is making payment for a wrongdoing. Fiorello LaGuardia stepping in and taking upon himself the cost of the poor man's penalty of $10 gives us a clear picture of substitutionary atonement, serving in one person's place and paying for their wrong. And it gives us a clear picture of what Easter is all about. Easter is all about substitutionary atonement. Substitutionary atonement refers to Jesus Christ dying as a substitute for sinners. What is a sinner? Simply put, one who does wrong before God. The Bible teaches that all men, women, youth, children, all of us are sinners. In the new part of the Bible, in Romans 3.10, it says this, as it is written, there's no one righteous, no, not one. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God meaning we have not lived up to God's expectations of us. Because of sin, we will stand before God, our judge. Hebrews 9.27 is clear. Everyone must die once, and after that, be judged by God. This does not mean there is no good in people, but it expresses the truth that we, with our lives, do not measure up to a holy and perfect God. We all have fallen short, including myself. The Bible states the penalty for our sinfulness is death. Romans 6.23 states, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death here is an eternal separation from God in hell forever when we die. But eternal life here is an eternal life with God and with others in heaven forever. Like LaGuardia with the man in the New York courtroom, God knows that we cannot pay for our penalty. So he has made a provision of payment for us by his son Jesus dying on the cross for us. Jesus Christ died in our place when he was crucified on the cross. We deserved to be the ones placed on that cross. 
to die because we are the ones who live the sinful lives. But Christ took the punishment on himself in our place. He substituted himself for us and took what was rightly ours. He was crucified on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. But yet on the third day, he rose again. Anyone can die. We see this every day. But only Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. By this act, he conquered sin. He conquered death. He made us right with God. This is why we get so pumped up about Easter, right? Because we are made right with God, right? Let's hear it up. Huh? Is that great or what? That's right. Think about it. Think about the reality of this. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him Jesus, who had no sin, zero sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God so that we could be made right before God. Again, each one of us is like the trembling man standing in the courtroom, positioned before God, the judge. Like the man, we have done wrong and have not what is needed to pay for our debt, our penalty. But like LaGuardia, God steps in and pays our fine. Not with a monetary amount, but with the life of his son, Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, we get this picture. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven, which your fathers tried to take. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know. But he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus was worked over, spit on, slapped, jabbed at, stuffed with a crown upon his head, whipped 40 times. He was stretched out on a raw piece of wood, and he had nine-inch nails driven through his arms and his feet. I just want you to take your pulse and I want you to put your finger between your radius and your ulna bone on your hand here. And I want you to push down and get the sense of this is where those spikes were driven on behalf of you and on behalf of me. But the beauty of this story is that it doesn't end there. There's this pivotal point that takes place that after three days, Jesus walks out of the grave alive, resurrected, and he offers us the same opportunity to walk out of death into life forever. He offers us the opportunity to have our sin debt paid, to be forgiven, for us to have a smile on our face, peace in our heart, like the New York man who walked out of night court, his fine paid and ahead 4750. It's this kind of day, people. This is that kind of day. Substitutionary atonement, the resurrection, it's Easter and provides us the opportunity for eternal life, not death. To give you a picture of this, I want to share with you a 
personal example of one dying in another's place. Let's watch this video of this New Hope life story. I graduated from high school in 1965, and uh, so I uh, signed up, volunteered into the Navy, and I figured, well, it'd be safe to go into the hospital corps. And 1968 was when I went to, to Vietnam. It was right after what was called the Tet Offensive of that year, and uh, a lot of the places where that offensive uh, had taken many lives of, uh, of soldiers there. While I was in Vietnam, I volunteered to go with uh, reconnaissance. We had to go in small teams, like five to eight man teams, to observe what the enemy was doing and then report back. The statistics for, for surviving my time in Vietnam were said to be much better uh, in reconnaissance than with the, the uh, infantry uh, generally. I was based in Quang Tri, that's just south of the missionary team for the first time of uh, North and South Vietnam. I was slated for a reactionary team for the first time, and I was sort of looking forward to it as uh, I would be able to help another team out of trouble. And so there's a mountaintop, and this particular one that we were to man for one month was called India Relay. And on that relay, we would have uh, our artillery batteries fire for us about sundown so that uh, they could be sure their guns were well aimed and they were hitting the target where they were supposed to be hitting. And so we would have them fire north of us, then south of us, east of us, and then west of slated time because the weather patrol, I was not able to uh, get out at our slated time because the weather had come in and uh, we were what we call socked in. Uh, someone else had to go in my place, and it was uh, a fellow by the name of Dan Wren, who was uh, a hospital corpsman like myself, and I really didn't like the guy, but he, he was the one who was slated to take the reactionary that I was not able to attend. So that reactionary went in to defend a team, and uh, David Wren did not come back. I was asked this about uh, what I thought about Easter recently. This experience that I had, uh, I felt, brought home the reality of what it is to have someone die in your place. Uh, that's just a small snippet of what Jesus has done for us. He did it for the whole, all of mankind all at once. Uh, it was huge. He didn't have to do it. Dan Wren didn't have to die in my place, and I doubt he did it knowing he did in my place. But, but it happened, and I was the one who was on the receiving end, and we're on the receiving end, <laughs> really. We're on the receiving end of the gift that, that uh, God has given in the name of Jesus.
Roger gets clearly the idea of substitutionary atonement. One dying in your place. And God desires all of us to understand this as well. The key to understanding what happened on the cross is to realize that Jesus suffered, he died, he rose to life. He was voluntarily taken upon himself the punishment that was rightfully ours and rightfully the rest of the world's. It was put on him so that it did not have to be laid on us. This is why Easter is the greatest day in history. But here is our part. But here is our part. We need to believe it. We need to accept it. The man caught in night court in New York after stealing a loaf of bread had to accept Mayor LaGuardia's paying his debt and the extra perk of the 4750. He could have rejected it. I mean, he could have rejected it. But who in their right mind would reject a free get out of jail plus 4750? Nobody. He knew he couldn't pay it. And when it comes to our sin debt before God, we can't pay it either. We must either accept what Jesus did for us through his life, his death, and his resurrection, or we must deny it. And in reality, today, if you have not acknowledged it or accepted it, you have denied it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you look up the word believe, it means to accept. It means to accept. And so my question to you this morning is have you accepted what Jesus has done on the cross for you to pay your sin debt, to make you right before your Father in heaven and to provide you to walk away debt-free and also with 4750, eternal life, like in heaven forever. Have you done that? I want to give you that opportunity here this morning. So I just ask that you would bow your heads with me. And if you have not accepted that gift, the reality of Easter, Jesus substituting in your place, taking it for you, then I invite you to accept it. And I invite you just to pray this prayer after me to do that. The prayer isn't magic. God knows your heart. But just repeat after me. Father God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I have nothing that can pay for my sin. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and Lord, as my substitute, the one who took it for me on the cross. Thank you for paying for my sin. Thank you for making me right with my Father in heaven.
Thank you for eternal life in you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we rejoice in that. We rejoice in what Christ has done for us. And if you have prayed that prayer today for the very first time, welcome to the family of God forever, huh? Woo! That's right. That's what it's about right there. And we would love to know about your decision. And so we would just like you to text in at this number your name and that, hey, I said yes. And we just want to come alongside and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. So before you leave the building, just text that number and welcome to the family of God. Let's stand together and rejoice in all that Easter provides us.